Burbank for the touchdown. Burbank, the rookie from Boomer. He grew up in Garfield, New Jersey, 10 minutes from Giant Stadium. You're talking about a kid who is just all heart. Welcome to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett and Robbie Sabo. Welcome back, New York Jets fans. A day after the first OTAs that were open to the media. And yes, you should all be 100% giddy, excited. Joe Douglas has this ship rolling in the right direction. And one man who agrees with me with that sentiment is number 80, Wayne Corbett. Wayne, what is going on? No, everything good, man. Like you said, uh, very excited about the draft. I know we talked about it in uh, previous weeks. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what you thought at uh, OTAs these past couple of days because I've heard great things. Yeah, I know I'll see you later this uh, summer at some point in August at practice. But uh, I don't know if it was the first practice or second practice of OTAs, but it was the first one open to the media on Tuesday. And then the next one will be next Wednesday. I mean, honestly, I was very pleased with the pace. The pace was quick. The defense was communicating. And for a first OTA session, you don't expect a lot of chatter. You know, some of that stuff could come slowly. Uh, But even the young kids, Sauce, uh, at corner, a lot of chatter, a lot of communication. I liked the pace. I liked the drills the, the big guys were doing. Offensive line, defensive line, they were getting after it, using the sled. The players were just in shorts and helmet. As you could expect, no shoulder pads, no full team, 11 on 11. You don't expect that early on in OTAs anyway. And the structure was kind of light where media members would like to see more, get more of a glimpse. But again, it's just OTAs. And right. I like I like how the big heavies were getting after it. I don't think Sala gave them a break in terms of what's expected in OTAs. So from that perspective, I kind of like the way the coaching staff set it up. It sounds like none of them were complaining either. You know, I'm, you know, on social media all the time, guys are bouncing around, guys are coming out of the facility, the clubhouse, smiling, smiling before, smiling after. And that's healthy competition this time of year. Obviously, you know, you can't wait to uh, put the pads on, but so far, so good. Good timing with the receivers and Zach. Um, and everybody's happy. No one's, no one's, you know, saying we're working too hard or, we're doing this or doing that. And that's a huge step going into training camp, being uh, prepared on how it's going to be. Yeah. And there was a lot of seven on sevens. So there was a lot of passing. Obviously you can't be running the ball. Uh, One call out was Zach, probably a coverage sack, coverage sack or uh, Zach scrambles out. And this is what he did on this play where he scrambled to the right out of structure on the run and somehow Michael Carter got downfield. We're not allowed to, and rightly so, not allowed to describe routes, personnel, all that stuff for game planning purposes, strategic purposes. But Michael Carter got downfield one-on-one uh, with a man draped all over him. And Wilson threw a beauty, a dime on the run downfield, about 30, 35 yards. And it was one of those Willie Mays over-the-shoulder catches, a little bit of an angle. 
So, you know, I don't want to go, you know, right over the head, but Michael Carter came down with it for about a 40, 45 yard touchdown. It was a beauty. We can, you don't have to talk about the route. We could just call it a broken play. Exactly. (laughs) Anytime a running back gets that far down the field, it's probably a broken play. But um, yeah, um, I even heard the, Zach uh, put some weight on, all muscle. I know he changed his nutrition, changes, you know, his workouts and stuff like that. And I think um, Coach Salad said he got thick, yeah. whatever it is. But it just, it will protect him. I don't think it's going to take away from his scrambling ability. But, uh, yeah, it seems like everybody's come back in uh, better shape than when they left. Yeah, you have kids. I mean, he called them beefy in his last presser. And then this time he called them thick. I checked the uh, transcripts on the Jets website, Jets communication website. They spelt it T-H-I-C-K, the traditional way. Right. But, you know, Gen Z goes with T-H-I-C-C when labeling okay. thick. So I wonder if Salah was thinking that way because he has, he has a couple kids of his own. I don't know. It's just all, all funny, you know. Um, like I said, just the atmosphere, the environment is loose. Um, like I said, they're willing to work. Um, guys are there early, guys are there, you know, putting in the extra work. I mean, I always say it, you know, the cause for optimism is great right now. And even this time of year, you could see that it's, you know, it's contagious. You know, the fans feel that way, the players feel that way too. Yeah, they're all excited. That was the environment, the atmosphere, long removed from two years ago with the previous coaching regime. You could tell, you know, other than having more talent on the field, which they do, and Salah made mention that he feels like his team is improved. And even if they didn't bring in any guys, they should be improved if they just remain healthy. Uh, last year, another year, terrible injuries. But you could tell the atmosphere is different. There's energy. These guys love football. These guys love to work. And that's the culture aspect that we've talked about so much. And it's really, it's really coming together nicely for Joe Douglas in this regime. Yeah. And the key is... Like you said, they're working hard and, and they believe in themselves. Um, you know, and you got to start fast in this league. And I think this is a good step in, in, in doing that. You know, and then you get some people saying Zach's going to lead the league in passing yards. And then someone says they're a playoff team and, you know, they're right behind Buffalo. And then you get assholes like Brady Quinn saying they'll be lucky ah. if they win one game in the first 10. My my former you know I mean? uh, my former former Notre Dame quarterback breaking my yeah, heart. I, not that I you know wasn't a fan of his, but like, why come out and say that? You know, what I mean, he's the only guy saying it. Only guy saying you know. But what was his record in Cleveland? Not good. I know that. Yeah. So you're always gonna have naysayers and people like that. But you know, they're never held responsible when they're gonna be you know six and four or something. You know, or five, whatever, whatever it is you know, 10 games in or whatnot. So for the most part, you know, you're in media, a big majority of the media thinks the draft was a, you know, A, A minus. There's nobody, you know, with low grades. Um, obviously remains to be seen how these guys become pros. But I think everybody's in agreement that we are a much better team now than when we ended the season. And now it's just a point of, you know, being cohesive as an offensive defensive unit. Uh, and like I said, starting off strong. And I think looking at the schedule, there's some games they can get in the beginning of the season. I've always thought because of social media and the way, you know, the digital media landscape is trending, someone's going to eventually have to come out with the uh, hot take sports almanac, you know, to hold people to account for what they yeah, say. Right. 
it's inevitable. You, we got to have it eventually. Well, you know, and then good or bad. Yeah. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. And it's like, I don't care what you're, you know, you know, what, what, how you, your take is as a media, you know, personality. Uh, and I understand as far as, you know, TV is a lot different than print um, about making like, you know, Old claims. predictions and, and stuff like that. And some of them are like warranted and funny and some of them are like make you think. But some mm-hmm. of them are just stupid. You know some what I mean? And someone are... said, yeah, you know, people come out like they're going to the Super Bowl, you know, guaranteed. Listen, they're a much better team. Say that. There's no reason to go out there and say, no, it wasn't a good draft or no this because you sound stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? But everybody knows. Look at every draft grade by anybody, even Jet haters. And yeah. it's agreed that, hey, you know, maybe we're closer to Buffalo than we are to the bottom. Maybe we have more talent than Miami and um, uh, who's the other team in the AFC is? Uh, Miami, oh, New England. Buffalo. New England. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's a couple wins here and there, and you, you're right after looking for a wild card. But I think there's no way, you know, they're in the cellar of the AFC East anymore. No. And if you want to say they'll finish fourth, fair. But, you know, showcase a little nuance you know people yeah. respect nuance and you know critical thinking and, and intelligent takes over the long haul as yeah. opposed to the hot take of the moment yeah. now it, it's social media like you said some of them are just transparent where you're trying they're trying to get engagement they're trying to get that yeah that anger and, and that's the key and people focus on new york because they're so passionate the fans so you're either going to get crazy over realistic praise or the other way around and that's just yeah. the way it is and if you could recognize it you know you could uh, curtail yeah. that emotion so but oh a one two win season you know what i mean that's just that's just uh, you'd have to completely, you'd have to completely ignore all the injuries last year to say that and i don't i've never responded to trolls or people saying this or that trying to like stir up conversation or like you know uh, controversy um i've never done that with fans i've never done that with the media because uh, i don't want to get involved in it i'm not mm-hmm. going to give them people you know uh you know their 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 15 minutes or 15 seconds of of, of fame by getting into a twitter war with them it's what they're after it's, yeah but some things you know you know you just got to ignore and you know you try to ignore situations like that absolutely and you know Speaking of Zach Wilson, the thing that I see right now is that it's it's all professionalism. Yes, he's having fun, too. He's going to the Rangers games, which I'll be there Saturday night, by the way. Thank God they won last night. Game six coming up. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully they finish it off in six, but we'll see. Uh, him and Berrios having fun, but it's all professionalism. He's working hard. The entire organization sees that. Pe- everyone in that locker room sees that. How big is that for the leader of the team, even the coach of the team, Salah, running stairs? I mean, I know the coach doesn't have to run, doesn't have to showcase physical uh, workmanlike abilities. You know, Andy Reid is a prime example of that, but he's got the players. How, how big is that for the leaders of the team to showcase that they're willing to put it all on the line in terms of professionalism? Yeah, um, like you said, this is his year two um needs to go in there as, as like a team captain as a leader because they're going to follow him yeah they're going to follow him in the good times and then the uh dredges of training camp 
when things are the toughest, he's going to need to lead by example. Uh, and as far as going out, you know, to the Ranger games and whatever other New York events, um, that's great to go out there and be seen and, you know, represent New York. Uh, and I always rooted for all the New Jersey, New York teams. You know, I don't, I'm not a believer. You can only be Jets or Giants or Yankees or Mets or Rangers mm -hmm. or Islanders, whatever. So it's nice to see him there. Uh, nice to see him getting great ovations. And uh, I think uh, those are going to continue when during the year, you know, things work out. So good for him taking advantage of uh, New York. And uh, hopefully he's finally used to it after coming from a, uh, Utah <laughs> being at BYU, but uh, yeah, he's taking advantage of it. And it's nice to see him out there supporting the local teams. Yeah. He, he told us yesterday uh, he's up to 221 finished last season at 208, but his ideal, it's like, he's a, he's a boxer or MMA fighter. His ideal weight, he said is around 218. So he wanted to get over that projected mark and then come back down. Was there ever a season or time in your career where you were, you entered a new season drastically lighter or heavier? Yeah, generally I was like between 185 and 190. There were seasons when I went a little heavier, um, but I was lifting more, knowing that, you know, it's, it's tough to keep weight on during the, um, during training camp, you know, mostly because yeah. of the heat and the doubles and everything. Well, I could lose, you know, six, seven pounds in one practice mm -hmm. and you gain it back when you start drinking fluids. I've seen linemen lose 10, 12 pounds in one practice. But uh, I know one year I was sick. I had a problem um, and I wanted to camp like 170 mm. and I was quick as could be. Um, I was in great shape, but I was getting thrown around a little bit more trying to block and block, you know, you know, outside linebackers and, you know, DNs on cracks and stuff like that. That was light. But for the most part, you know, between 185 and 190 was my weight I maintained. And that's uh, pretty much that was my sweet spot on uh, how I wanted to, to to weigh during the season. Yeah, I wonder I wonder which year that was, the 170 year, 99? Nah, it probably came in the early 2000s. That was after. Yeah. After, yeah. Probably came in the early 2000s at one point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's good with Wilson. I mean, he's working hard. That's all you could expect out of your leaders and then let the chips fall where they may. Uh, you know, everyone got involved yesterday, seven on seven. The ball should rarely hit the ground. It, I thought his, his processing was good. Obviously, there's no rush coming at him. So, you know, take it, take this with a grain of salt. But his processing was good. Quick decisions. Him and Mike White both. Obviously, Flacco, he's a veteran. A lot of guys got involved. Elijah Moore with a bunch of catches. Jeff Smith, um, some pretty routes. Great coverage. And this is the other thing. Sauce Gardner, what a great name. Sauce, number one. Number two, you can never tell what's inside a guy's heart and head. But, you know, put, throw that aside. His physical traits, what he does out there, what he has the ability to do, this kid is a player. And they are going to lean on this kid for many years to come. Yeah, um, he seems to be taking a leadership role right away. Um, when you get a young kid like that, obviously, you know, a high draft pick, big contract. It's nice to see that all the first round picks signed already. Yeah. Um, so there's no worry about that. I know the tight end signed too. No worry yeah. about the holdout or this and that. But um, yeah, from day one, they're committed. You know, I know they're slotted as far as draft picks, but, uh, you know, and then they, between him and the, the new additions of what is it, Whitehead and Reed, 
um, yes. joining that crew, the young guys who uh, came on last year. You know, I know they were young last year. Uh, he's fitting right in, you know, but we uh, we talked about it last week. But I mean, to get the number one corner, I know Stingley went before him. You know, I felt the number one receiver, you know, number, I thought top two D lineman in Johnson. And then, um, you know, the number one running back, the first running back off the board. Um, I mean, these these are some good picks. These are some, you know, day one starters that they got, you know, and then probably the tight end from Ohio State, too. So um, it's nice to see they're all kind of meshing with the, the veterans out there. But uh, I think there's a bright future in New York for them. Yeah, Gardner was sticking to yeah. guys yesterday. Again, just seven on seven. Young kid coming in. But there were no, uh, what do you want to say? There were no rookie moments. Like, okay, that's a rookie moment. There yeah. were no obvious mistakes where, you know, they're running a cover three and, and he's got the outside third and there was a miscommunication on the, on the call or, or the coverage. He is... Think Richard Sherman in Seattle's defense back in the Legion of Boom days. Think that type because at 6'3", he could play physical. He could bail. He's very comfortable bailing. He played a lot of man in college, but that's okay. The Jets want to run more man. I think they just ran a lot of zone last year out of you know, necessity because they didn't have the personnel to play man. So they'll run a lot more man this year, but whether it's the outer third in cover three or the outer uh, quarter in cover four, he could bail, he could play aggressively, he could, you know, be that ball hawk on the sideline that this defense desperately needs. Yeah, um, like you said, the flexibility, uh, what he can do. Um, obviously, there's going to be rookie mistakes in uh, rookie times, but um, it, as far as I can see, having a coach like Salah, you know, who's had players of that caliber, um, and, and you have to be accountable to the, the, the veterans, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's going to be fine. Um, you know, he's a very confident kid. And there's a certain amount of cockiness you need mm -hmm. to be a, uh, you know, stud corner in the league. You have to talk game. You know what I mean? You have to let, you know, number one receivers coming in that you're going to shut them down. You can't just go out there, you know, and be not. You got to say, I'm going to shut you down. This like I said, there's, there's cockiness and, and there's confidence and he has both, but in a good way. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? He should be, he should be cocky. He's, you know, top corner out there, you know, and coming to a team like that. So everything I've seen and heard of the kid um, is, is what you're looking for in, in uh, you know, a top corner like that. I haven't been around him enough, but early impressions I get is he's confident, like you said. He's cocky, but he's also humble in a way where he showcases humility when he doesn't need to be confident, if that makes yeah. sense, you know, in the press conferences, off the field. But when he's got to turn it on in between those uh, sidelines, he's got that. And you need that in the NFL, like you said. Yeah, you need that swagger. And look at the best corners that were there in recent history. You look at Revis, you know, you look at Cromarty those years. I mean... Revis knew he was the best. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew he was the best. And he didn't have to say it. Mm -hmm. um, he was a quiet dude. Confident. Huh? Confident. Not really cocky at all, but, you know, he would say it was Revis Island. You know, this guy's the guy I'm facing this week. I'm going to shut him down. Mm -hmm. You need that. 
you know, and any good player that has played that position, um, whether it's to the magnitude of Dion, you know, how he was to someone as quiet as Rivas, that confidence is there. And it seems like, uh, you know, Sauce has, uh, has that, you know, from day one. Yeah, especially that position, because you're going to get beaten a lot, especially in today's game. So, short, yeah, short memory. The, the Absolutely. Quarterbacks and cornerbacks is the uh, positions of short, have to have a short memory. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, geez, Mel Blunt back in the day could manhandle a guy, maybe get beaten, you know, five times a season. That's gone. Those are those days are done. So, no. Sauce, perfect corner, the perfect guy you want there. Other new guy, one of your favorites, Garrett Wilson. You know, I mean, he wasn't overly flashy yesterday. Uh, ran his routes, mixed in with the with the big boys, as you'd expect. Um, I like how Sala, again, we can't go into personnel, but I like how Sala doesn't hand the rookies spots on the depth chart over to a silver platter, uh, yet he also mixes them in, if that makes sense. So Garrett Wilson, I love his feet. I made the comparison to Antonio Holmes. I think you went digs. I think both are great comparisons. He, he's got some work to do in terms of uh, reading the entire defense when rat running, but man, one-on-one, he could just abuse guys. Yeah. I'm curious to come there and uh, see it live. You know what I mean? See him against the top guys. And the fact that Wilson and, and, and sauce came in together, they're going to, they're going to be there a long time together and yeah. them going head to head every day. Um, you know, some days one's going to get the better of the other. Um, I think it's going to even out. But just just having that, like that, uh, you know, friendly rivalry, you know, that competitiveness of the two guys from big programs, it's just going to make those guys better. Yeah, but yeah. just make them better uh, in, in the long run. So uh, I see great things out of Wilson. Garrett, you know, I think, uh, like I said, I, I – said his route running was kind of like that or like a Stefan Diggs. Obviously, he can catch the ball, but, you know, we compared him to some of the other receivers in the draft. It says, I didn't see anybody getting the separation right. that Wilson got in college the way he did. The other guys, you know, can make the catch contested. But this is the kind of guy he meant. He was, you know, 5, 10 yards open on some of these uh, deep routes and Carson routes. So, um you know, I just sky's the limit for the kid. And the last guy we'll touch on is uh, Brees Hall. Uh, I mean, again, not no eleven on eleven, just seven on seven, so no running game. But Brees Hall, he can be, you know, he could break out right from the get go. Running back is one of those positions where rookies could have success week one, initially right off the bat. And I don't see any reason why he can't do that in this scheme. He is tailor made, other than talent who they picked they're tailor-made for the schemes uh sauce on defense in the way that Salah likes to construct that defense and then Brees Hall in the LaFleur running scheme zone running scheme where it's one cut and go and do your thing and Brees Hall he's versatile just like Michael Carter uh but you know again what you'd expect to see from Brees Hall yesterday you saw he really can be a special back in this league yeah he uh he showed he puts up some major statistics um at Iowa State mm-hmm. um and some people are like why would you big Michael Carter fans would be like why would you draft him one Michael Carter had a tremendous season uh, as a rookie you need two running backs in this league 
and two guys that could play and catch the ball and run the ball um, and, and be goal line backs, you know, and third down backs. So, um, yeah, this kid puts up amazing numbers. I know from playing, you know, fantasy, daily fantasy, I've used them frequently. So they're explosive now. I mean, just what they added, you know, between uh, these top draft picks and free agents um, and re-signing Barrios, obviously, they're they're uh, they're going to put some points up. Um, you know what I mean? This isn't the kind of team, you know, that needs to win 17, 14, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? 17, 14 games. 20, they're going to put up some games where they're putting up 30, 40 points. You know what I mean? And that takes a lot of pressure off the defense when they sit, they think, you know, hey, if we give up one, two touchdowns, we're going to lose. So it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, uh, the offense helping the defense and vice versa. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you got to have two backs. Shanahan goes a little crazy in San Fran with the running back by committee where yeah, geez, well, they got four of them there. Yeah. yeah. If you're a fantasy owner, you lose your mind. You know, your yeah. hair turns gray. But uh, I don't see that with the Jets going that crazy, but they got two guys they can rely on. Uh, yeah. Did you see this when Ruckert signed his deal? His dad led a J-E-T-S chant in the background. Let, let's, nice. play it. let's play it through. Yeah. That's what you like to see that that passion. Yeah, um, like I I mentioned, he's going to be a fan favorite, um, and not just a fan favorite. I mean, he's got some big expectations going in there. As far as, as far as being a you know draft pick in the the upper rounds, but uh, I know he didn't drop many passes at Ohio State, so um, just another person to add, you know to the arsenal for the floor to uh, go out there and feed the ball to. So uh, with him in Azuma and Conklin, mm -hmm. I would say depth-wise as far as top, you know, with, with tight ends with two, three uh, spots, I think yeah. they lead the league as far as talent. Yeah, you know, they're, they're the up there, man. Tight ends on the team. They're, they're up there. It's a beautiful thing that he could be the three third tight end and not have that pressure because it's tough for rookie tight ends, right? Yeah, I'm not sure about his blocking ability, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think he's going to have to with those other two guys out there. It, the the one thing that confirmed that I knew his dad was a legend, as the uh, Jet social media account put in the tag on that tweet, is I went to his Twitter account. You ever see Tommy Boy with yeah. uh, Chris Farley? Yeah. In his Twitter bio, it says one thing, fat guy, little coat. Nice. <laughs> Once I saw that, I'm like, okay, this guy's good. Yeah, this guy's good. He, he's got to he's got to start speaking up a little bit more. <laughs> stuff is going to be gold. I guarantee you that. Very cool. So yeah, we'll see what Rutgers Rutgers personality brings as well. Oh, cool. So we uh, like I said, I think this was a good show, and hopefully get more next week into uh, more of the OTAs and more of what's being said uh, from the coaching staff. Um, you know. I know uh, from uh, firsthand that obviously, you know, Christopher and Woody Johnson uh, are excited about the future. And I think uh, obviously they're supposed to be, but I think everybody agrees that they're, they're on to something there. They, they know this could be a special season. Absolutely. And when you feel the environment, just the atmosphere just change yeah. It, yeah. like it has over the last two years, it's yeah. a telltale sign. So yeah, uh, fans, The uh, we're going to do live shows soon, so be on the lookout for that. That's coming back soon on StreamYard. 
check out jetsexfactor.com. Use discount code 80. People keep using it like mad. I can't keep up with the uh, photos, the signed photos I'm sending out. Um, but hey, I'm not complaining. Keep going to the site. Keep checking out everyone's stuff. Great analytical stuff. Great film reviews. Michael Mania, Joe Blewett. Uh, best thing you can do for us is share this video. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Wayne, uh, you get the last words, my friend. Yeah, again, great show. Uh, the response has been tremendous. Um, like we said, uh, it was a, a week or so ago, getting close to what a million uh, views. Yeah, a million. Yeah, um, a million. We're encroaching on a million readers a month at Jets X Factor, which yeah. for for a Jets only site, any team, you know, in sports in America, that's that's a hell of a it's a hell of a job. Yeah, and that's obviously due to the fans and the content uh, on the site. So just hopefully put out more stuff that people appreciate and looking forward to the, the next show. All right, Wayne, Jets fans, we will catch you next time. Take care.